All right, everybody, today's gonna be a hot episode because we have the king of virtual production, and it is no other than Yuris, the CEO of Prismax, who is responsible for not only the biggest and most craziest virtual experiences of Tomorrowland, the music festival, but also the physical visual experiences of Tomorrowland that happens in Belgium. We talked about how Yoris started from VJing in a small club to now managing 35 people delivering the most amazing virtual experiences to festival all around the world. We also covered the application and use cases of Unreal Engine in their production pipeline and what is the most sought after skills for Unreal engine creators, developers, and artists. If you are a brand, or you are a developer, or you are a creator, it doesn't matter. We covered everything. This episode is for you. Are you ready? Let's freaking do this. Oh, wow. Amazing. Oh. Uh, this feels so good after only three hours of sleep. What are we drinking today? One coffee. We're back to one coffee. This was this was not bad. I actually, good, actually, this was like two episodes ago is when yeah. we started with one coffee. We're back to it. It's almost done. So it's probably the last time you're going to see it because we're probably going to go back to Starbucks. That was my favorite. Still to date. It's yeah, still the I strongest. cannot disagree. Why are you giving me this? This is three hours of sleep. I need the strongest coffee. I gave you... This is your second double shot of the day. So that you should true. be good to go. That is true. Guys... Welcome back for another episode of Bad Decisions Coffee Break. We're on episode 12. Potentially, the idea was me and Farah do this once a week, and now it's becoming twice a week. So eventually, probably three times, because we just can't wait to bring on cooler people, cooler guests on the podcast. And it's in today's world, of course, being how easy it is to just DM people and 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 how easy it is to communicate with people and especially because this is a virtual podcast in a sense we're holding it online it it just makes it so tempting for us to just have more episodes per week so we just want to say thank you for every single one of you guys who've been watching and supporting shout out to our last guest winbush who came on the podcast he has a new unreal engine course that they just released we talked about it, it on was the just podcast yesterday on school of motion so yeah. those of you who are asking how they can get into unreal engine that course is definitely for beginners. Mm. Check it out. It, it's it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Loads of people were asking for it. So make sure you guys check that out. Usually we like to banter a little bit. But even in the last episode, we couldn't because Winbush was such a cool guest. We had to talk about our story of why we wanted Winbush on. And today is again one of those episodes. We have to give you guys a little backstory before we jump right in and introduce our guest. Because this guest is very special. To, to me and Farhad, and it, it goes back a couple of years. Farhad, maybe you want to start with why. You guys know that probably if you guys follow us on Instagram, me and Farhad are crazy about music festivals and especially Tomorrowland. We've been going to Tomorrowland since 2017. We haven't missed a year. Farhad can't fucking shut up about it. And, like, like <laughs> and when we go there, it's all about the production, the visuals, the stage, the music, and the lighting. And, yeah. you know, be, that time when we were going to Tomorrowland, we were not having... An immersive studio, I always think about how do they make all of this, yeah. this stage, these visuals. And yeah. during the pandemic, you know, what happens is that they canceled Tomorrowland for two years. Mm -hmm. They did a virtual Tomorrowland. Which was so sad. Like yeah. at the beginning, we, we had an idea. We were like, okay, you know what? This is, with the way things are going, it probably looks like Tomorrowland might not happen. We were like, okay, what is going to go on? What are you going to do? And eventually they turned it virtual, yeah. which was phenomenal. I was, I was in Asia at the time. You I were was in Australia. I remember clearly that I was watching the set. And, and after that, they didn't stop. They, they still had the virtual. They just had a recent one, yeah. I think, a few months ago, which was, which was amazing again. But yeah, that is about Tomorrowland, that you guys know how crazy we are about this music festival. Yeah. But... Farris, do you want to tell them how did we... Yeah, yeah made, made okay, okay. So, so this, is what, this is what went down. So as you know, when we started Tomorrowland, we were not Unreal Engine enthusiasts, not at the time at least. But what happened was over the years, as we started Bad Decision Studio and we got more into the 3D world, we, of course, follow all these pages like Unreal Engine, Epic Games. And it was about like, I think a month and a half ago, we were working and I was just scrolling through Instagram and I saw a story by Epic Games, by Unreal Engine, that they talked about the guys behind the production of what goes on in the in the virtual world of Tomorrowland and also in the physical world. Uh, and I, I clearly was, remember the photo was Tomorrowland Winter. Yeah. So the, it was the main stage of Tomorrowland Winter, which you showed me. It was like, look, Epic Games shared this. I was like, they tagged someone. Who did they tag? It was like, who is this? We, who have, is to we have to find out. I was like, okay, let, let's go. And I was like, okay, long shot. 
let's just send them a DM. Yeah. I sent them a DM and I got a response. I was like, very quickly, yeah, very, very quickly. quickly. And then I started talking that you guys are doing a great job. And then I got a photo message sent back to me and I opened the photo. The photo was from the backstage of Tomorrowland with a view <laughs> of main stage. I was, I was losing my mind at that time. I was like, we really need to talk to these guys and they yeah. are doing a phenomenal job. We really need to talk to them. I think, Farad, it's time to... Uh, to do the introduction, everybody, we've got Yoris, CEO of Prismax. Hello. The first question I want to ask you is, since you've been involved in all of these music festivals, have you attended any of them as a fan or as an attendee, or it's always been about work, like with Tomorrowland? Well, I, I used to, when I was a teenager, I used to uh, go to festivals, but they were more, more like rock festivals back in the day. They were not really dance festivals. It's a, a long time ago, in, in, in the 90s. Uh, dance music was just about to become popular. You would have a few dance acts. And then I was like, really, as a teenager, I was there and I was going to all these festivals. That was very interesting. But very quickly, when I turned 18, I was drawn by accident into into this this production world. And since then, it's everything has become yeah professional. Like, I've never been to Tomorrowland as a visitor because we started working there from day one. So... I don't. <laughs> oh my God. So you you guys were involved from from day uh, from like which Tomorrowland you guys started working with them actually because they've been there for oh, fifteen uh, years. The, now. For the first uh, for the first editions, I was working in a nightclub. I was a resident VJ. Eh? I was mm. mixing live visuals while DJs were playing, uh, and then I didn't do the main stage or anything. I don't think the main stage even had video for the first. No, I I saw the photo. The main stage was just the screen of the you know yeah. plain screen. Yeah. There was nothing there. Yeah, 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 it was it was like a fabric and, and LED. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> but the tent behind the main stage that was always hosted by the nightclub versus where I was mm -hmm. the resident PJ. So they just took their whole crew and they would put them there. And then we got all these crazy DJs because the Tomorrowland from the first festival on the lineups were always crazy. So we would get. Armin van Buren in the tent, uh, a DJ that, that would normally never play in a small nightclub. All of a sudden, all these super names, we would, I would VJ them because back then, nobody had their own VJ. Now, every top 100 DJ almost has their own crew with them. So you, you don't get to VJ them, unless at Tomorrowland, because they're not uh, allowed to take them. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, I would VJ all the big DJs because nobody had their own VJ. Um, but yeah, that changed, of course. Uh, now that's, everybody has their own team. That's that's crazy. I mean, just seeing how you started. So you were essentially an avid fan of festivals yourself, a different kind of festival, the rock festivals. But to see yourself getting drawn into this, I, I do want to touch on that, actually, before we get into anything else that is about Prismax. I want to talk about your own story. So what was that drawing factor when you said you were drawn in by accident? How did that actually happen? Well, I was a gamer back then. I mean, I oh, used to That's play. what I'm talking about. Yes. Okay, what, yeah. kind of games? So, what kind of games are we talking about? Back then, it was Quake 1, Quake 2, uh, and then after that, Unreal Tournament. Oh. So I was, I was like playing a lot online, but back then, um, everybody was still with their modem and dialing in, and the connection yeah. was bad. You had a two, your ping was too high, so you couldn't perform really well. And then uh, here in Belgium, we, uh, the first cable internet provider, they settled right into my city where I was living. And um, I was one of the first Belgians to have cable internet. So I had a very good, very, very good connection. Uh, the only thing was that the connections between the providers were still not very good. So if you would game against somebody who had another provider, uh, you were always, if the server was at the other provider, it was not very good for you. Mm -hmm. So I told this provider, like, hey, guys, you need to have uh, gaming servers. And they said, what do we need? Yeah, gaming servers. Uh, we don't know how to do that. So I was 17 back then. And I told them, like, I'll come to your office. I'll set up the gaming servers. Wow. And uh, just give me free internet and I'll maintain it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. But now, now this company here, they, I think they employ 3,000, 4,000 people. <laughs> unimaginable that a student of 17 year old would do anything there but yeah, they said yes so i, I started uh, adminning those servers and uh, everything was good and then i told them like guys all your competition they all have gaming websites why don't you have your own gaming website oh, it's 
we're still growing. It's not our priority. You can make our gaming website. So I created this gaming website and it became very successful. But then uh, all of a sudden there was an email from, we had a nightclub here in Antwerp, which is back in the time, it was, I think, the most amazing nightclub in the world. Like technology, te technologically, it was so advanced. It was always full packed. They sent an email like, guys, um, we want you, uh, we just send you an email because you're a gaming website. You probably know somebody. We want our club to be turned into a map on Quake 3. And we're going to put Whoa. 40 computers around the dance floor where people can game inside our nightclub, inside our nightclub in Quake 3. Wow. So I, I was like, dudes, I've never, I mean, I've played the game, but I've never created anything. So I, I wouldn't know how. And then six months later, they sent me another email saying, we didn't find anybody. Do you want to come over to have a look? But I was like 17 years old. It wasn't even legal for me to be in a night. <laughs> uh, but I went there. And then for a student of 17 years old, the, the owner gave me an, uh, an astronomical uh, amount of money to create this. So I was like, I'll learn. Quaker. I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. So I created it. Um, and then right when it was finished, the government shut down the club. Oh, um, what? Yeah, yeah. They actually made a movie about it right now here in Belgium. Uh, and this whole, the, name, the club name was Zillion. And the whole name and, and the club thing was completely revived here. They're having mm -hmm. lots of parties now, branded Zillion, which we are we are VJing live and unreal. <laughs> okay, back, back, to, back to where you began then. <laughs> does it feel nostalgic every time you go there? Like, does it feel nostalgic every time that you go there? You remember the whole time that you were there Absolutely. back then? Absolutely. Like, uh, the owner of the club, uh, he's very famous in Belgium. He now owns the biggest LED screen rental company, I think, in Europe. So wow. I'm still doing business with him. So yeah, it's, it's, it's quite special how it went. But then, yeah, the club shut down. I started my studies in informatics. And like in my second year, I got a phone call from Versus, the, the, the new nightclub in town. Well, not in town, a few towns away from me. But like there was a 6,000 people capacity nightclub, the biggest club in Belgium. They said it was a successor of Zillion, but it was basically the, the management of, uh, of Zillion. Uh, they started a new nightclub and that was Versus. They, they asked me, they called, do you want to come and VJ for us? I was like, what is that? Not again. <laughs> Why are they I'm, always asking you to do something that you didn't know? Because I think he said yes to everything before. So I was like, he's the yes guy. Let's just ask him. Yeah, exactly. I'm the yes guy. I always say yes. I always have to hear from my business partner. You said yes again on this. <laughs> so that time it happened again. I just said yes. And uh, well, I came in and I was the first guy they tested or something in seven guys that could even turn on the screen, which was a whole procedure back then. They were the first club in the world, I think, with the permanent LED screen. Now LED wow. screens are everywhere. But back then it was really something rare to have, especially in a nightclub. So I started VJing there uh, three, four nights um, uh, a week while studying. So in the daytime I would be in school and in the nighttime I would be in the club and then in between <laughs> I would sleep. Back then I could do that. Right now it would be different. different. <laughs> <laughs> that's, by the way, just just a quickly that that's like a dream for anybody, anybody who's yeah. starting to be able to go to nightclubs. But I can imagine when you actually go down, it's very difficult. But please continue. Yeah, and and, and I really trained myself into VJing. And the light guy who was there, he was super experienced guys. He taught me everything about color, about. Uh, LED screens also make light, so you become part of the light show. And he taught me actually everything uh, to balance the show. And then after three, four years being there, because yeah, I, I stopped my, no, I graduated from college. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was like, I graduated as an IT specialist. I was, I'm not going to be in between all these nerds that I studied. <laughs> <laughs> He also ran away from he he got his bachelor from computer science and he was like, bye, I'm into esports. That's, not, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing something else. Exactly. So I continued VJing for three to four years. But then if you do it four nights a week, every week, 25 weeks a year, 
after a while, it's like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I was like, guys, I'm going to go back into IT. I got a nice offer from a company. I'm going to stop VJing. One of the DJs back then said, you're crazy, man. I mean, this is the future. You should start a company. That was back in 2005. And that's how I started Prismax. So uh, I decided just to, I was 22, no, 23 at the, 24 at the time. I was like, yeah, okay. I, I just immediately started uh, an LLC. It would be uh, on that side of the uh, of the water. With us, it's called a, a BV. <laughs> so uh, I created a real company, not knowing anything about business or whatever, wow. and just had to roll into that world, which was very difficult because LED, LED screens back then were super um, expensive. So only the huge, huge concerts and festivals, they had LED screens, but like, uh, yeah, now, now every event has a screen, but back then it was very difficult to start with, but then eventually, uh, everything went really well. And now we ended up being uh, what we are today. It's amazing. But how, did you, did you have to go outside of Belgium? Because I imagine that, you know, in that time, not many clubs or not many events would be, or it, it was enough clubs or enough events in Belgium for you to, you know, start Prismax and exactly. start working with them. Exactly. There was not enough work for us in Belgium. So quite quickly, I partnered up with a production group in uh, the Netherlands, which is a bigger market than Belgium. I mean, Belgium, it's a country with like 11 million people, but it's also cut in half because you have a French part and a Flemish part. Mm -hmm. And we all only work in the Flemish part because the French part doesn't want people from the Flemish part to come and work there and the other way around. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're, 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 we're getting some history and culture of Belgium <laughs> right here, everybody. Oh, yes. Wow, there's only 6 million people here. So mm -hmm. that's speak the language. So it's a small market. In Holland, they have the Netherlands. They have yeah, 15 to 16 million people. It's a bigger market, so started doing more and more jobs there. Um, that became very, very interesting. And then, after a while, um, we were always at Tomorrowland uh, the first years for uh, the smaller stages. But then, in 2014, I believe. Then they, Tomorrowland, the guys, they were always coming to, to have drinks in Versus in the nightclub. So we knew them very well. Uh, they were like, hey, uh, we have uh, Dimitri Vegas and like Mike. They're DJ brothers. We think they can be very successful. Uh, let's And you, we want you to tour with them. So that was one of my first real touring experiences. Because before that, I toured with a few trans DJs like Ferry Corsten. But that was only a few times a year that they asked me to tour with them. But then Dimitri Vegas and like Mike really became like my my first artist that I toured with nonstop year in, year out from And they became huge in those yeah. years. I I, I yeah. remember did, did you tour with them to Asia too? Well back then um it wasn't custom to take your VJ to Asia Asia. After the the first years they didn't take because they were not that big yet. And yeah. then it's a big cost to take a whole crew into Asia. Mm. So in the first two years, they didn't. But then afterwards, yes. When China went crazy with all those DJs, we were we were everywhere. Like mm. from Asia to northern, the whole of Europe, Northern America, South America, Australia, really, literally everywhere. Uh, Faros, do you remember for Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike, we had to fly. We used to live in Malaysia in that time, 2016. So we had to fly to Jakarta, Indonesia, yeah. to just catch them live. So we flew one weekend just to catch them live and come back. Yeah, we were we were we were listening to them for a, a while during that, that period so because they got why. so big. I, I remember it was after Tomorrowland 2015 after movie, which they started playing their song in the after movie the whole time, and they got yeah. really big. So, wow, this is, this is crazy when you're telling all these stories. But uh, the Tomorrowland moment that you guys got the job from Tomorrowland, was it like a yes-man moment again? Like they came to you? Yeah, or? how did that go yeah. about? Because like Tomorrowland is such, a, um, I would say, a huge part of the music industry when you talk about festivals. And, of course, you guys have been you know, with them for a very long time. But how did that partnership first even get birthed? Well, because we were touring with Dimitri Vegas and like Mike and creating their video content, they were like, yeah, why don't you guys want to do all the uh, all the stages on Tomorrowland, deliver, make content, deliver the VJ, except for main stage, because they partnered with a Dutch company. They were very happy with them. 
so they were like, yeah, main stage, we got covered, but do you want to do all the other stages? And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. So I, I <laughs> another yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, I had this idea of back then, now everybody does it, but back then syncing uh, CDJ live to visuals, there were tricks, but none of them were very good. But I met a guy and he hacked into Pioneer's, the Pioneer system and he could get time code signal out of a Pioneer and I got a, like a beta version of that and I tested it with some trans DJs, but then I, it worked really well. And I was like, let's use this for Dimitri Vegas and like Mike. So I went to Tomorrowland office and I showed this to the creative director of Tomorrowland, the system. And he was like, hmm, we should use that system on the main stage. I was like, wow. what do you mean? And then that's how I ended up personally at the main stage, because before that, what they would do, the last three tracks of the, the, the headliners, they get the big fireworks show. But before I was there, they would just play the last three socks, songs pre-mixed from the front of house, so from the technical area. But then David Guetta, I think they filmed him one time when the mix was happening and he wasn't mixing with his hands and yeah. a, whole, a whole scandal on uh, social media. Uh, and then the, the DJ said, we don't want to do this anymore. We want to mix live, otherwise it's a whole thing. But with the system yeah. that I was using, the DJs, they can just mix their tracks live as long as they send the actual track, the three tracks, the three last tracks, if they send them to us, they can mix them, pitch them, do whatever. And I sent my signal to the fireworks guys and hopefully everything goes off uh, <laughs> in sync. And until now, I'm still doing that that tomorrow. And I'm running all the time code for the, uh, for the main stage. And meanwhile, we also do all the VJing for the main stage. But that's like we have like three people uh, of my company there, one for the cameras, one for the, um, one for the, the visuals, and one for time code, which is me, myself. So I can vouch for that. We've been into Tomorrowland main stage every single night. We have seen that and it's all in sync. So it's, it's, it's crazy when you explain what goes behind the scene of all this production. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody knows what, what is happening exactly. No, no, no. It's definitely like, t t again, we're just using Tomorrowland as one example. But if, if you go, we're going to go down the rabbit hole of Prismax and what you guys do. But generally speaking, being in Tomorrowland and seeing the magic happen you guys have to have so much synchronicity between the teams and not just your team, but your team with other teams. Um, how does that happen? What, how, how hectic are those three days, those four days when Tomorrowland's happening when there's so much expectation and nothing can potentially go wrong? Or wait a second, actually my question would be, does anything go wrong <laughs> that we don't notice? What does it look like behind the scenes? Seldomly anything goes wrong, actually. Like the worst thing that can happen right now is like a power failure of the lights or the worst, of course, is a power failure at the, at the sound guys because then the sound will be gone. But actually, it's a team that's been working together for so many years now. Everybody knows exactly what somebody else is going to do. And now we have all these tricks that we created. We have small pieces of software that looks at the light guy, which color are you in? And it will directly send that color information to our system so that our system automatically is in the right color. But back then we would just shout at each other like, uh, next song is blue or <laughs> also has its charms. But yeah, <laughs> so, but, but, yeah but, but, sorry. Please go ahead. No, there's a lot of technology behind it now to get everything synced up. But if you wouldn't, if you would have the same team and you don't give us any of that technology, the end result will be as good as, I mean, almost as good. <laughs> because you guys have been, I mean, you guys have been there from the start. You guys know exactly how it works. It's just that technology is there to improve the workflow and the efficiency. You guys do know the technicality yourself. So that makes perfect sense. And we are going to go down the technology path because I think for a lot of people watching today, what is really important is the tools you guys are using specifically on new engine and we're going to go down that hole but i think you wanted to ask yeah something. because what, what i think is very important is you guys made the perfect team the perfect production and it all in 2019 weekend two all yeah. came to an end for two years and mm -hmm. then you with the pandemic and everything I think what you guys have been doing was a very physical, intensive work and means you have to be present in the moment. You need that fan to be present in the moment. How did the pandemic affect the whole thing? And uh, was it, I mean, I, I, would, I would imagine it was scary, but 
I, I want to hear from you. Well, it was unbelievably scary yeah? because at first we thought like, ah, oh, this is gonna, it's gonna go away by by spring, yeah? just like President Trump was saying, like <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. So for about a month, we were doing actually nothing. We were me and my partner. We were gaming. We were like, this is gonna <laughs> over. But then we were like, this is not gonna go away. Well, what are we gonna do? We were actually counting our money, saying like, when do we need to start firing people here because this is not going to go very well. But then we were experimenting with Unreal Engine, especially my business partner. He was already quite advanced with Unreal Engine. But we were like, this this is something that we need to explore more. Let's maybe build a virtual festival in Unreal Engine. Some people were already doing projects like that, but the graphics just looked so shitty. I was like, oh, <laughs> go to that direction. Then I I, call, I phoned up the the uh, creative director of Tomorrowland and I told him like yeah, let's do Tomorrowland in Unreal Engine, and he was like well we still think that the that it will happen. It was around March 2020 or something. So we were like uh, let's see. But then end of April, it was very clear that there was not going to be a festival summer. Mm-hmm. So we were like let's let's proceed, but it was such a massive undertaking uh, we really underestimated well we didn't under, underestimate it we said like let's build one or two stages uh, and create uh, a show for a few DJs but then the owner of Tomorrowland he's always like pushing the limit of everything technically possible so he, he was like let's have 40 DJs record them all wow. over the world um, and have eight stages or something. So we, we started building that together with the Tomorrowland team because the Tomorrowland team, they designed the stages and we then built the world around it. Um, we put that those stages in the world. We put lights on it. But it was such a nightmare because Unreal Engine wasn't ready for something like this. I even, at a moment, I emailed just a... a the general info at uh, epic.com. Uh, <laughs> so I, we're doing this. We need help. So what happened is we talked to somebody, an evangelist, they call it, of Epic. And then they appointed like a, a small team uh, of their of theirs uh, to us to help us with the creation of the festival. But we had so many problems. Like th- we recorded all the DJs with tracked cam- cameras. But the, the guys who recorded it, some things went wrong with the time code, frame rates. To get everything synced again after recording, did it, two weeks before the festival, that didn't work. Uh, to get the lights, we wanted, well, their DM, the DMX plugin of uh, Unreal was just released. Mm-hmm. But it worked up to like 100 lights to record it uh, in the take recorder. We had 1,200 fixtures. <laughs> So we had to find a way how to record that and then put it back into the engine to get everything synced. There were many, many problems. Two weeks before the show, the, I mean, before we were going to broadcast the show, we had nothing working. And then one Saturday evening, everything worked all of a sudden. Everybody's problems were solved. And then we just started rendering and rendering and rendering. And we made it just before the deadline. That was the birth that of the is- festival that I is such a fascinating story that is such a fascinating story because you guys are not just you know creating cool um you know visuals you know as you were previously before covid but what happened with covid me and Farah were talking about this it was such a pivotal moment for you and prismax because everybody experienced COVID, no matter where you were in the world, but it's what you did during that time that defines who you are now. And we always love to hear people's story uh, about what they actually did in those two years, in those three years. Did you actually do something to improve or were you, are you still the same person that you were before COVID? Because that was like, you, you have like essentially a two year holiday to then go and figure out what you want to do in life. And what's amazing is, and I want to read some stats here from what we found about you guys. You guys apparently built the demo once Tomorrowland give you guys the go. You guys built the demo in about six days. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. First of all, that is fucking crazy. <laughs> okay. That's, that's already fucking crazy. Cause, but I mean, it's not unexpected. When we're talking to you, it's like yeah. everything from the beginning of your career has been, yes, I can yeah, do it. Yes, I can do yes, it. I, can. I, but I think your team was, was a bit mad at you because you said, <laughs> yes, you went back. You said, guys. 
we have to make this in six days. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy because when I'm looking at here, eight unique stages, more than 500,000 CG fans, lasers, fireworks, you got lights, and Tomorrowland at the same time had to build, you know, I believe four different full-size DJ booths around the world. And you guys have more than 60 performances with more than uh, with around 48 hours of content in total. All of this was done in the course of three months. Three months Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. How, do, how does that happen? So COVID happens, one month, you guys are gaming, it's holidays, and then you realize, you know what, we need to make a change. You're inspired by Unreal Engine because your partner is, is, is you know, sort of in that zone, but not 100%. You guys have the idea, okay, let's do this in Unreal. What was, uh, of course, you guys had some help from, you know, Epic Games. They were, they're known for that as well. When we talked to our previous guest, Winbush, he did say that Epic Games is very supportive. So that's, I think, one of the best parts for, for you guys to be able to have that support. But most of the tension was, of course, on your end to be able to, have the mentality to be like, yes, we can pull this off. Since no one has pulled this off, it's COVID, you know, everything's uncertain. How do you go about that mentality for three months, not knowing actually how this is going to look like? And, and you've also, never done it before. You've never done it before. And also, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people witnessing this. If this is fucked up, then, then it's, it's not going to be a good rep. So how do you deal with that mentality? That's always the risk. Yeah. When you want to be, make something new, and there is a hard deadline because with a festival, there always is a hard deadline. Mm -hmm. You got to deliver. Uh, and, and basically what happened was that the whole team didn't sleep for three months. I mean, uh, it was really uh, very bad at, at certain moments. Uh, I just became a father of twins <laughs> as well. So I had to split my time in between in the production hall or uh, with my family because, yeah, Two newborns in the middle of Corona. We couldn't get any help from somewhere, from from anywhere. But especially for my business partner, I think yeah, we had a production hall where everything happened, and we had we had to follow COVID rules. So everybody, all the desks were far away from each other. But he basically lived there for three months, and he he still has PTSD because of it. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, but because you guys just did another virtual festival, I think a few months back with Tomorrowland, which was amazing, yeah. by the way. I love the concept. Did you guys get better? Like how Absolutely. the workflow has changed? Absolutely. I mean, it's much less stressful for us now to build a digital festival because we know every aspect of it right now. Everything goes smooth. Everybody knows what they have to do. Uh, it's a completely different story right now. When people ask us now to make a digital world, it's what we do every day. We okay, we use Unreal Engine. By now, we also use Unreal Engine for everything. Before, mm -hmm. we used to make visual 3D visuals in Cinema 4D, render them in Octane. Now, no. Why would we no. do that? We created yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, we created a project in China. Uh, it was a huge LED wall, like 16,000 pixels on 8,000 pixels. Wow. Had to render in Octane for three weeks, and we had <laughs> the same world in Unreal Engine. You, of course, it doesn't look 100% the same, but in Unreal Engine 5, it would. Uh, yeah, it takes it runs almost real time. So wow. yeah, why That's would you? Unreal Engine. <laughs> sorry, please. No, no. Why would you still use the old? way while now just rendering is not an issue anymore with us it doesn't make any sense anymore it, it this is why i like i would say the majority of the audience that we have on our socials are artists 3d artists to be specific and so i'm sure this is the part that is going to get super relatable for them because we so for our 3d uh you know modeling and texturing and all that we tend to go to blender that's where we go and i think the future generation is all going that way because of the fact that it's free and the community is just huge right but even then even though blender is like upgrading and updating at super light speed nothing beats the real-time workflow of Unreal Engine and nothing beats the quality that Unreal Engine has in terms of their Lumen and Nanite technology. And now I'm sure you guys are always, you know, at the forefront of this, like the 5.2 update. I'm, I don't, I, I'm sure as well that you guys are not using all the latest ones because there has to be bug fixes and all that. So it's not super reliable to use the latest update all the time. But generally speaking, where it's moving forward, like with procedural content generation that is going to that that is out, like that makes making worlds, huge worlds that you guys are making, 
mm-hmm. easier and and faster. But I I actually want to ask you one thing because when you talk about physical world, me and Farah were talking about this. There's limitations. You're like, okay, we have 10 LED panels and that's all we got. For example, that's just an arbitrary number. When it comes to virtual worlds, it's unlimited. Like essentially with Unreal Engine, you can have a gigantic world. So how do you guys draw the line? Because if you talk about the Tomorrowland creative director, he just wants to keep pushing the limit. He's going to come to you and be like... Like firework every second. Yeah, we we want like firework every second. We want to have like, I don't know, a million CG fans. Like how do you draw the limit? Like what's your, like, okay, you know what? This is, this is like... For any client, by the way, not just tomorrow. Like this is like the limit. This is, we can't go past this, guys. If you want to go real time, there is a lot of limits. But if you create a virtual festival that you can render out into a, to a video stream, there is not that many limits. I mean, after a while, it will crash. I mean, if you put <laughs> uh, like for the first Tomorrowland, the digital one, I think there's half a million virtual puppets dancing. That's about. That was back then about the limit. I mean. We would see that the, the we were, machines would run out of memory. Uh, back then, we also didn't know how to optimize a scene yet. Right now, if we would redo that uh, that whole project with what we know today, it would look much better, and it would look it would render much faster than it, than it does now. Maybe even run in real time. Who knows? But uh, yeah, there's not really a limit. But of course, Tomorrowland they know what they're doing. They will translate a stage that was at the real festival into the digital festival and they will make it bigger. It would never be able to be built in real life because of budgets. Like the, yeah. the first stage we did, it's just an iteration of the stage of 2019, but much yeah. higher, much bigger with an LED screen that I don't think there's that many much LED in the world to even build that. So. Uh, but everything still is realistic. I mean, it could be a real festival. Uh, yeah. But now for the last, uh, the last one, Atsendo, we have a flying boat flying through a, a magical crazy. world in a magical setting, and that could never happen, of course, because it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a very nice idea, and it's based on their. They're writing uh, novels right now, real actual mm-hmm. books. Uh, I think the first one already came out, the Atsendo. And actually, the whole universe now is based on those books. So I think they're moving in a very nice direction with that. That's that's fascinating. And it's it's about what you actually brought up, the fact that you guys are creating these beautiful fictional worlds for Tomorrowland. What's crazy is Unreal Engine is still a game engine. Like it started as a game engine and still the possibilities that I see, we go to a bunch of conventions for, you know, for, for shows and for, for where, where Epic Games is, is talking. And we've looked at a bunch of people who have been in virtual production. And one of the things that directors or uh, producers are essentially excited about using Unreal Engine is the possibilities that come afterwards. Once you build these worlds, Essentially, you can use them for anything. If you guys want, you can turn it into a game. If you guys want, it can be a VR experience that people can can have. So I guess my question is, are you guys having, if, if, if you can share that with us, is that something you guys are even discussing that, hey, we have the assets, we have the worlds. Exactly. Should we create these other experiences that become more immersive rather than just watching it online on the web? Yeah, sure, sure. Like, um, you know, a project that we're, uh, working on in the Middle East, where there's a whole area that are is going to be we're going to turn it into a digital twin, uh, but they want to use it for uh, say monitoring traffic or something. But why would you only use it for that? There's a whole theme park there, and if you want to uh, have a celebrity uh, in your commercial, don't and he doesn't want to fly all the way there. He's in New York. We record him in New York in a green key studio. We'll put them there in a, in, in a, with virtual production. We'll just put them there inside inside the park. The artist doesn't need to move. So we actually did that for uh, for the expo in Dubai, where uh, we had we recreated a virtual um, version of the the expo buildings. And then yeah, some of the the artists didn't want to fly because of COVID, and we just recorded them all over the world. And then we would act as if they were flying through or walking through or driving through the expo grounds while they were recorded in LA or in New York or Spain. So uh, yeah, that was very... It doesn't matter where. Yeah, it doesn't matter. 
That's not that's it, it's crazy how Dubai has become the hub for metaverse and all these technology advancement. Yeah. They have been at the forefront of all this technology. And you guys recently opened a opened an office in Dubai. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask you how does the Middle East and Dubai's environment look like for virtual production, how they are pushing the limits and boundaries. And you know, after Belgium, you guys moved to Dubai, why not China or US? Well, uh, we decided after Expo 2020 there, the World Exposition, we were uh, contacted like, uh, let's start a company here. You need your presence here because they have a master, master plan, like a, um, an, an, a metaverse master plan where the whole city and all its surroundings, the whole Emirate needs to be inside the metaverse by, I believe, 2030 or something. Those, so they appointed some crazy budgets just to be the leader in the, in, in the whole metaverse story, which is, I believe, I think it's unbelievable. And, and that's why we decided to go there, of course, because it's such a nice market with nice budgets, nice projects. While here in Europe, things are a little bit different than over there, budget-wise. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, we agree with you. I think, especially after the pandemic and with the, the whole economic situation, I feel like people's attention here is is definitely. I mean, people do talk about the metaverse and all that, but I believe the mentality is completely different. When we look at what's going on in the Middle East, they really believe in this future and they want to actually invest time and money in making it happen as soon as possible. Whereas here, there's like a lot of questions. Whereas there, I think everybody's just even even in the augmented reality space, they they are pushing it so hard. They are yeah. having creators flying their exhibitions one after another. Yeah. It's crazy how they are making Dubai, Qatar, a hub for all of these technologies to, mm. to grow and to expand. Do, do you see a big future in, in, in that area, actually? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, they try to be number one technologically. They try to draw companies like ours there because they know they're going to run out of oil money within this and 15 years i mean they gotta do something they're sitting on a, on a big pile of money and they're just trying to create um a, a way of living the perfect way of living that's what they're trying to create there and in being in the metaverse is just one part of it people should well for them it's also very important that people can visit the place before going there physically just to see what it's like and to draw people there to actually come over there. There's another project where there's a, a heritage site. Nobody's ever heard of it here in the Western world. But if you would visit that virtually, you would actually see, wow, this place is really beautiful. I should go and go there on holiday. Wow. So, so it's not even an event. It's like tourism as well. Like at the same time, they are promoting tourism. They are promoting events. Yeah. They're promoting all the different industry with using virtual experiences, basically. Yeah, that's what we were we were talking about that as well. Because we, we created an... Uh, an augmented reality experience for uh, Egypt. Uh, it was for uh, a, a tomb. A, yeah, it was for an Egyptian tomb, and we recreated that space in augmented reality, and people love that experience. And so we recreated that same experience, or are at least in the midst of recreating it within Unreal Engine, because we had the assets. We were like, you know what? We can just port this into Unreal Engine with much higher quality. We used a bunch of you know the marketplace assets mixed with the ones we had, and. The next thing we want to do is actually go into that experience with virtual reality, with VR headsets. And we were actually thinking about the same thing. Like, this would be an amazing idea for tourism for every country because not everybody can go to Egypt or, or Dubai. But if they see these locations, not only will they get to experience it, they might actually be tempted to be like, you know what, I actually want to visit this place now physically. So the, the possibilities that Unreal Engine as just one software has built... For, for the concept that it's real time, for, for different businesses, different countries to use it, I think you guys are definitely one of the leaders in the industry because you guys are setting the standards of what is possible you know, with this software, what is possible with this technology. And what I love about what you guys do, and we talked about this over the past few days, is you guys are constantly improving the game. You guys are not satisfied with what you did last year. You guys are not like, Last year, we nailed the fire show. We nailed, uh, not the fire show. We, we nailed the lasers, the lighting, you know, the, the whole experience, the visuals. You guys are like, what did we do last year? Let's, let's fucking top that again and again and again. And that's what makes it so unique. But I think I just want to take it back to that concept a little bit for 
avid virtual producers, for freelancers outside who might be watching this, where should they look for sources to learn more about virtual production? Where was the sources you guys went to when you guys were during the pandemic, you guys needed to learn, your team needed to learn? What was the best source for you guys to learn? Is, that, is there any sort of, not a secret, but, but the best way to get into this industry for people who want to break in, but they just don't know how? Well, as with a lot of things, the best way to do it, uh, to, to learn it is to do it. I mean, yeah. we didn't have the knowledge, but we were forced to learn how to do it by doing the first uh, virtual Tomorrowland. There were so many aspects of it that we didn't know. There's lots of tutorials everywhere. There's tutorial uh, tutorials on, on, on YouTube, uh, even on Epic themselves. They, they tried to teach people. But we well, back then, uh, virtual production was, was kind of new. So we actually had to, with trial and error, we had to find out the hard way. Like we would record, we would make a, look for on the internet like oh, what's the best tracking system to get mm -hmm. uh, let's get that uh, we, we ask for a demo we record the data and we see how can we put it back into unreal engine just mm -hmm. start and, and and experiment you can even experiment in your in your in your home eh? get a get a uh, get a vive tracker put it on a camera record the data try to put it back into the engine see what it does all these things can be experimented at home, not everything, but a lot of things. Find a, a good way of keying out the green. Um, put two, we, we even uh, put two LCD screens and a few puppets to then get a, an XR studio uh, mm -hmm. kind of system. You just put two screens, you put the puppets, and then you start experimenting with a small camera with a Vive on top. That's how we mm -hmm. learned it, just by wow, okay. doing it. <laughs> I love that. I, I love cannot that. imagine that puppet turned into the yeah. whole virtual tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's the, like, the huge thing we see how <laughs> before it and after. Yeah. No, but that's 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 the best part that I think people need to understand is it doesn't always start with the giant picture, the giant festival. It all starts small and then it builds up to that. So what I actually wanted to hear was exactly what you said. I wanted people to know, hey, you can start at home and do this and and get yourself used to this and learn more and trial and error and you can get to the level you guys are at but you have to be willing like yours to be able to say yes and, and do take not the sleep for a few months <laughs> yeah that's what you gotta do it's 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 gonna be hard but you can achieve greatness now we had uh um, winbush as our guest last week and winbush is one of the pioneers in the unreal engine world as well uh, because he's teaching a lot of people how to use the software on youtube and one thing he did mention in the episode, and we, we even cut that up, put it on social media. It got a lot of engagement, good and bad. And that's what I want to bring up with you. He was mentioning that right now, one of the best softwares to get into is Unreal Engine. And the reason for that is because people, even Epic Games was hitting Winbush up, telling him there's you know different studios now that virtual production is becoming a, a bigger thing. And also broadcasting, live event, all these things, they, they require... Unreal Engine designers, creators, and yeah. developers. And, and just people to be able to optimize that workflow. So he was saying for people, if they want to find jobs, they want to find work, Unreal Engine would be one of the best steps to take, one of the best things to learn. I want to I ask for your opinion because people in the comments, some people were like, yes, yeah, some people were like, no. Some people could find jobs easy. Some people said, we don't know where to look. As somebody who is using Unreal Engine as one of the main parts of your workflow, you've, you have people in your team that use Unreal Engine. Do you think that Unreal Engine is one of the best places to go as a 3D artist for the next decade? Is that the best place to go in? And also, if that, the answer is yes or no, also I, I would just like to know, what do you recommend instead? Or what, how do you recommend people get into Unreal Engine, if that would make sense? Well, I think it's a, it's absolutely a yes. I mean, we also switched the whole company to Unreal Engine for, for a reason. Uh, they're developing so fast and they're so helpful when you have a big project and you're stuck on something, they will try and find solutions uh, for, for you. Uh, also, I think there's a huge shortage in talented people that can actually really work with Unreal Engine. I mean, I hired lots of people uh, here over the past few weeks months but also almost none of them have experience in unreal engine they all have to be taught by the people now that are here internally 
who have used it for many years, they're now teaching everybody like how to switch their workflow to an Unreal, 100%, not 100%, but like to an Unreal Engine workflow. How do you go from your Cinema 4D and Octane setup and how do you get the same results in Unreal Engine? That's what we're teaching people here. And we're still looking for Unreal Engine artists and it's just very difficult to find them. Uh, is there is there any uh, like specific sought after skill in Unreal Engine that is uh, that you see not just in your company but in the virtual production world that like everybody wants to look for but they're just so limited like a, a specific skill set or no it's very general right now we we've been we've we found uh, graphic designers 3D modelers uh, uh, landscape designers those we all found quite easily but like having somebody who, who has a basic skill in modeling, I mean, modeling, making worlds, and then also has a coding background, that's very difficult for, for us to find. Mm. Um, we've been trying to make our own tools, own plugins, uh, just to help us in the, in the whole development. Finding people that can write that, that's very difficult, I believe. I think there's a big oh, fear. Got if you're a good C++ programmer and you, can, uh, and you can work with Unreal Engine and you're creative, I think, Future is very bright for you. <laughs> okay, guys, go to Prismex website. I saw they have a job opening. You can go apply now. You just heard it from the CEO. Do if it right now. If you can code and if you're creative, then, then 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 the world is bright for you. And I agree with you. And and it's not easy to have both of those at the same time because you know for coding you got to be logical. To be creative, it's like a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. um, at least at least how I would see it because I, I don't know I don't know how to code even though I did study computer science <laughs> I don't remember Waste anything about money. coding because like I'm spending most of my time on the creative side of things that's my that's where my passion is but I think since it started as a game engine uh, some of the game developers would be able to fill in those positions if you think about it because they know how to code and most of the time if they're indie game developers they have to be the creatives themselves as well so they have to be the ones modeling the assets making their own indie games so I think for a lot of indie game developers who might not be, you know, continuing that route, this virtual production route could definitely be for them. Sure, absolutely. I think the big problem there is the guys that are really good at this, they're working at the big game studios. I mean, if mm -hmm. they get the option working on a virtual festival or working on the next Call of Duty or whatever, they're going to choose the game and they're over <laughs> the virtual production. Well, well, you would say that, but the truth is, I mean, after talking to a, p a few people in the industry, it's not always that, you know, the experience working for a AAA title game studio is amazing because there's definitely so many different studios out there. Some of them, the experiences I've heard, uh, at least on YouTube, based on different developers, that the experience is amazing. Like they have a great time, they have a great team, but sometimes the experience can be the complete opposite. So I would have to say that i think some people when they come to the virtual world virtual production world they might actually enjoy it more there because it's 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 a it's a kind of a different experience honestly if i if i ever quit this podcast and bad decisions i will come and work for prismax i think it's a very entertaining <laughs> and exciting are job you trying to ask Jungis for a job <laughs> i'm applying for a job after this call but i think one thing i wanted to ask is what you guys did was during the pandemic and you convinced your clients for the pandemic but why did they continue after the pandemic pandemic is over but we don't see the virtual production gets over it's it, it continued tomorrowland still doing it. it yeah you just did another one in mexico right so so how did this thing that was a pandemic thing became a regular thing now well i think the demand for like really performances inside a virtual world during the pandemic, everybody wanted it because all these promoters organizing festivals, they were sitting around doing like this. Uh, but then, <laughs> yeah, after the world opened again, they had to pull their full attention on their real festivals again. But then like tomorrow and yeah, they're visionaries. I mean, they were like, let's not let's just continue doing this. Let's continue working on our uh, a virtual festival as well. And I think it's the right decision because Everybody can enjoy your virtual festival and then be drawn into the to go to the real festival. So in the long term, I think it's a very smart thing to do to give something free to the people on the internet to enjoy the DNA of your festival from your home, and then you will be triggered later on in your life because it's mostly young people, of course, that the 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 
the generation that plays a lot of games like Fortnite right now. If you, <laughs> if you, can, if you can already interest, interest these people into your festival, they will come on later on. That will be your new generation of, of, of visitors. I think it's a very smart thing to do. A hundred percent. I I generally agree with you because this is where the future is going, right? Uh, so many people will only be experiencing things in a virtual way because of their location, where they're located at in the world. But at the same time, like you mentioned, it's an incentive for them to then go to the physical version of, of whatever that experience may be because now they've experienced it virtually. They love it. They, they become part of the community and that gives them just another excuse to go. So I, I, I definitely think that's true and I, I believe that's exactly what you guys are hopefully planning to do in Dubai as well, especially in the Middle East. The plan is to create those those worlds, those immersive worlds where people get attracted towards. And one thing I want to talk about is we, we did talk about all the cool technologies that you guys kept upgrading every year. We know, for example, just looking at NAB, Move AI has been, you know, talk of the town because of their, you know, motion capture solution. They're also working on a real-time motion capture solution without any suits, any sensors. That's just one thing. First of all, I want to know if that's something you guys are looking at to potentially use in any of your workflows because it's such a big thing in the industry. And second, is there any technology that you wish you guys had that, that you guys don't currently have? Maybe it's not even generated. It's not even created. But something that you wish you had that is not there in the virtual production world. In the virtual production world, well, we still film our DJs. So basically... There are still 2D plates, but because of tracked cameras and we uh, link the camera in Unreal Engine to distract cameras, it looks like they're there with a volume. Mm -hmm. It would be very nice to, in real time, capture the volume of a person and import this into Unreal Engine and that it would be a 100% match on everything mm -hmm. and that this point cloud would render in real time and people could actually walk around this point cloud and see it 100% realistic. I believe that's, that's going to be super immersive. That, that's that be would super be super immersive. Okay. And that's to totally going to happen. I mean, essentially what we're doing with nerves, right? The neural radiance fields, it's, it's almost getting there where we can take volumetric captures but I mean, having it real time and having it look realistic and then be able to have lighting and shadows look as real as possible within the environment is definitely not going to be easy, a piece of cake. But I'm sure the next time, hopefully, we have you on this podcast, you're going to be like, you know what? Remember, we talked about this <laughs> yeah. volumetric. We, we are doing, we're doing it, it right now. This Because Tomorrowland came to us and <laughs> we, we, we had to do it. So I said yes. yes. <laughs> and, and we made it happen. <laughs> I, I generally think that's usually how the virtual production world for you is going. It's usually a question, can we do it? Potentially, the answer is no. But you say yes and you guys go and figure it out and make it happen. Because based on the past one hour, we're and we're almost ending it here as well. It, it's, it's something that you believe in and, and what we, I would say, admire about your personality and Prismax's ethos as a company is you guys are always saying yes to impossible tasks. And that's what I, I think makes makes greatness happen. We were talking about this Pushing as well. Pushing the band boundaries, right? This it's is with exactly. constraints. When you have constraints, when you have, uh, when you have limitations is when you, if you can think outside the box, then you can actually go ahead and improve and expand. And you guys have been doing that for, I don't even know how many years now. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, well, everything happened because of the, the new Prismax, I always say it's really because of the pandemic. But the, the nice thing is that we're now what we've learned as well uh, during this whole virtual production uh, trajectory that we did, we're trying to put what we learned there in Unreal Engine into the real world now as well, making the bridge mm -hmm. between what's virtual, what's real. So actually, before uh, the pandemic, we would, if we v when we VJed, what we would do is we render a two D, well, a two a three D image, but it's still uh, it's still a movie file. That movie file is being mixed with another movie file, so it's all pre-rendered movies. Right now, we created a, a media server system, which actually is attached to Unreal Engine, and it renders all the graphics in real time in Unreal Engine. So, and everything is linked to each other. If the light guy changes his colors, the the the, the colors in our Unreal Engine scene will automatically change to the colors of the light guy. 
if the fireworks guy pushes his buttons with uh, that he wants to put flames if he has say 10 flames we will put 50 virtual flames inside the scene in depth so that it looks like there is actually 60 flames going off and all of this is happening in real time we've done i think four or five big jobs with it now uh, as well as tomorrowland winter and now main stage tomorrowland this year uh, is gonna for be summer in, yeah for summer that's also gonna run on that system so keep your eyes oh, oh my, okay so, oh, okay, if, so <laughs> if they're gonna be there or if anybody's gonna be there they can basically expect to see real-time unreal engine visuals on the main stage exactly Okay, now Holy I cannot shit. focus on the music this year when I'm at the main stage. <laughs> I would keep thinking of this conversation. Okay, this is real time. Probably someone pushed that button. Now what? I just have one question. What if what if it crashes? What if like the system crashes? We always have it's a real backup, time. backup running, of course. But if they both crash, uh, then we're screwed. But that <laughs> happened before. So uh, no. Uh, until now, we always also have a backup image looping. Uh, of that scene. Okay. So say the Unreal Engine will crash. We also we also made small pre-rendered pre loops that we can cut to really quickly. But so far, right. it didn't happen yet. So far, so, it's been great. Okay, awesome. I, I just want to touch on, on something because you mentioned about new Prismax after the pandemic. We all know about the virtual production that you guys are doing with music festivals. But for, for brands that are watching this and want to explore more about Prismax services, what other areas and industries they can reach out to you guys in terms of virtual production? So we talked a lot about music festival, but I'm sure there's a lot of other applications that you guys are covering also. Yeah, yeah, sure. We're right now using virtual production for, uh, um, for commercials, uh, music uh, clips of, of artists. Um, and then we have the digital twins. Uh, like if you want to have your museum, or your mall and you want people to come and, and visit it uh, on your website, it's all possible now because we also uh, do pixel streaming now where we have our own metaverse, so to say, on our uh, website. Uh, if you if you go to on our website, you can click a link and then you can just pixel stream uh, our demo room, our virtual demo room in Unreal 5 to your browser without having, you, you don't need to have a nice graphics card or anything because everything is... Yeah pixel streamed from Amazon servers straight onto your screen. So I, I believe there's a big future into this that brands can have any interactive game or, or a showroom online. People don't need the nice hard, need good hardware. They just need a screen and they need to be able to play. They need hardware that is good enough to play a YouTube video to enjoy <laughs> the graphical beauty that Unreal Engine 5 has to give. And they can have their own world where people can walk around, learn about the brand. Uh, we're making car configurators in it. And the cars look so realistic. They just push a button and the interior changes from black leather to red leather. If you have a convertible, you can open the roof and everything just looks exactly the way it would be in the real world. Those are some of the applications that we're working on right now. That's no, that's phenomenal. And honestly, I think there's hundreds more. And that's, that's possibly due to the fact that you guys are working with, you know, software like Unreal Engine because so many things are possible. And again, one takeaway from here is everything that you guys can think of, I believe Yoris and the team can actually make it happen. And, and, and so if, if they need to contact you guys, if anybody watching this wants to be in contact with you guys, what would be the best way to do that? Would it be through email, LinkedIn? Email. What do you recommend? Yeah, email is always email. The, the best. If you send an email okay. to uh, yoris at prismax.be, that's me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> perfect. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the link to the website, your email as well in the description. So just to make sure if anybody wants to contact you guys, they can. Um, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to Yoris for taking the time to be with us today because we we couldn't imagine on 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 our podcast to be talking to somebody who is responsible for all the amazing memories we had at Tomorrowland, and we want to say thank you as well for that <laughs> well, because and, and on behalf of our friends also we say thank <laughs> you because I told them that who we are having on a podcast they say like, okay you should say thank you to him. yeah we we all they all wanted to send their regards uh, so thank you to you to your team for always pushing the boundaries for making sure that what people are experiencing is 
literally the latest, the cutting edge of that technology and and without any sort of hiccups because when we're there we we don't we don't see any and and we look forward to to see you guys again with the real time visuals this year for Tomorrowland and uh, hopefully bigger things in the Middle East that you guys are working on. We're always looking forward to that. And yeah, we're just very excited. Farah, do you have... Yeah, no, I just want to say thank you, Yoris, for the time. It was really inspirational. I think for freelancers, for 3D artists who want to get into the industry yeah. and people who want to know what is really actually happening on a big scale. Mm -hmm. So this was really a lot of information to take, I would say, for people. And I want to ask you, like, where do we find you in Tomorrowland, actually? Which stage <laughs> will we be when we come there? If you're in the, at the main stage, in front, yeah, in front of the main stage, you have these three elevated stages yeah, yeah, yeah the middle one is the smallest one underneath where the the crowd is standing you see a a big black hole in that big black hole that's where we're all sitting <laughs> okay so I'll, i'm gonna come there and we're gonna see you there okay you're and gonna i'm gonna see, clip this yeah. i'm gonna clip this and i'm gonna take a selfie when i come there you're gonna see two people like shouting your name <laughs> right in no, the video like wait let what, me know what's going on? i'll give you a small tour <laughs> Oh, yeah, that, that, oh, that's amazing. Fantastic. That would be wonderful. But again, thank you so much, Juris. Is there, before we go, is there anything you want to say to the audience no, watching? I think we've discussed most of the things I had in mind. So, Okay, perfect. And thank you to everybody watching today as well. We hope you guys enjoyed that. You guys have learned so much about where the virtual production is. We are with essentially the kings of virtual production here today. So until next time, we'll see you guys next week. Ciao. Ciao.